What did you like better, Jedi or The Empire Strikes Back? Empire. Blasphemy. Hello, world. This is Chris Abalo's Podcast Experiment, and I am Chris Abalo. Welcome to the show, where I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Jack DeFranco. Hello again. We are going to talk about Star Wars today, so if you're Yay! not interested in that yet, he's been waiting for this. Uh, mm-hmm. if, if you're tired of hearing about Star Wars or you're not interested, then uh, just skip this episode. I get it. There's a lot of Star Wars talk out there. There's a lot of stuff where people are examining Star Wars and what's going on. But our, our focus is basically going to be on the last three episodic movies. We're not going to be talking yes. about Rogue One or Solo. We're not going to be talking about Mandalorian. We're just going to be talking about the three movies that just finished up in uh, December. And that's going to be the basis of this conversation. And uh, Jack, why is it important for us to talk about Star Wars? Because you told me we should be doing that this week. Because it's a day that ends in why. Ah, makes sense. No, no. It's actually, coincidentally, uh, the day of this episode is actually the anniversary of when the film was originally released back in 1977, the original film, A New Hope. And then it's also an anniversary date for Return of the Jedi and return, and also an anniversary date for Solo. But it's also Star Wars started in May of 1977. And it's also been weirdly coincidental that this year there's been so many anniversaries that people have been celebrating um may 21st was the 40th anniversary of the empire strikes back which i enjoyed watching a double feature of a new hope and the empire strikes back while i was home in the afternoon uh there was a celebration for the phantom menace and for revenge of the sith on may 19th uh, phantom menace celebrating its 21st anniversary and uh, revenge of the sith celebrating its 15th so there's a lot of fan joy and glee about that too also um Attack of the Clones was May 16th, but apparently nobody celebrated that. So you're kidding. I, no, I, I, <laughs> no one was like, people were all like, oh, Phantom Menace, my childhood. Revenge of the Sith, this one was so good. Nothing for Attack of the Clones. People <laughs> say, oh, yeah, it opened May 16th, 2002. And people weren't like lamenting over it, which here's the thing, just to get this out in the open. I don't hate any Star Wars movies, and it's not because I'm what the internet nerds call a shill or anything else. I enjoy these movies because they make me happy. Some are better than others, but I've had great experiences with all the films that I've been alive to see debut in theaters and just growing up with the original three. I have my memories that just surround these and it's all, it's all still there. I watched empire earlier and it still makes me feel great. So I've, I've known just like star Wars cause it's the sake of star Wars. Cause it has a star Wars slapped on something like I'll be critical when I can be, but I genuinely love it because it just makes me happy. And they've, they've shaped me as who I, as a human being, for my 34 years on earth. So I've been a fan for 27 years. And Empire Strikes Back is your, is not only your favorite Star Wars movie, but it's your favorite movie altogether. Altogether. Yes. Um, I would say actually the original trilogy is, can be lumped in as like my favorite movies. Like if you're going to put like everything, like a number one spot, if I could, I sometimes couldn't pick between the three when I was younger, but watching them all over and over for years, Empire is without a doubt the best. To me, it just feels timeless. Like, I love A New Hope. But A New Hope, you can watch it and be like, oh, that was a movie made in the 1970s. It has kind of a 1970s feel to it and the style, the look. I mean, it was way ahead of its time. But 
when you watch Empire, I kind of forget, like, oh, it was released in 1980. I don't know anything else other than John Lennon getting shot. What happened in 1980 was significant. But it just feels timeless. It just feels like, oh, wow, this is a movie that can be made today and not really change in any way, shape, or form. It kind of looks like, to me, that first film that was, like, bridged to be modern film to now. Like, it was right in the middle of where the 70s ended and where all these new things were happening and where Empire just looks so crisp and clean. And it just looks timeless to me. And it also, that's kind of where it became an all-ages affair, too, because, as I've said before, and I'm probably not the only one who thinks so, and mind you, just as a a precursor to any of my opinions, I'm just a casual Star Wars fan because I like movies and not because it's just a huge franchise and now it's the most mainstream franchise possible, maybe aside from the Marvel movies, but it really is just the uh, Marvel, biggest. This is Marvel's time, in all honesty. Uh, Marvel oh, for sure. is the kingpin. I mean, Star Wars is right there with it. And I'm, it's weird to we live in an era of where Marvel and Star Wars are like kind of competing, but they're under the same house kind of thing like back in the day the feud was like star trek and star wars and they two couldn't be more diametrically opposed to one another yeah like i've tried to watch star trek and i i can't get into star trek i like some of the films but i can't get into it i've tried the original series and like this is not for me and it's not because it was dated it's just like i just don't find this interesting just because it has the word star at the beginning doesn't that's it, the only comparison it's space and it everything takes place else. in space yeah and there are battles and yeah. there are other planets and aliens and all that but that's kind of where it well, ends not so much in star trek that's why i wasn't interested in it so <laughs> well that's that's why i never really understood people making the comparison like they, they are the same type of thing i mean i feel like maybe if you're going to compare tv shows if you're going to compare let's say stargate and Star Trek or Battlestar Galactica or something like that. I mean, I, I don't know. And I don't know enough about any of those, you know, the other two shows, the Stargate series or the Battlestar Galactica series, where if they're closer to Star Wars and Star Trek. But I just feel like in general, especially since Star Trek was a TV show that became a franchise way later, a film franchise, yeah. then I I don't know. I, I don't look at them as necessarily being the same thing. But I'm just I'm no, a fan because I like movies and I do like popcorn films. I've always thought that A New Hope was more of a kid's movie. Everything about it just seems like a, a kid-friendly sci-fi movie, which is fine. But yeah, with Empire yeah. and Return of the Jedi, I mean, he walks aside. I understand the, the point about that, where fans get pissed off about that, uh, as far as that being too much for kids. I never knew about that until I was in like high school, that people didn't like Ewoks. I guess because I saw them all at once. I was like, oh, Ewoks, they're fine. I never, I never knew people actually didn't like them that much well we weren't around when those first three movies came out we saw them as kids on vhs i mean the first time i saw the first star wars was 1987 88 i'd been around for a little while and i remember a friend of my mother's had the vhs and i asked to borrow it and that's how i first saw star wars so i was probably in second or third grade so those first three movies had come out so we didn't feel the anticipation or the impact of yeah like how devastating it was we were just watching it as kids same with you when you first saw I mean, we I told the story it was on... devastating though like as i watch return of the jedi as i'm older i the one complaint i do have i have two complaints with the movie it kind of goes in hand in hand with the ewoks the only problem i have with them is that they kind of grind the uh, the pace of the movie to a halt at a certain point when things are really cooking but other than that i have no problem with them fighting and toppling the empire i just have a problem where it's like man, we're really like on the ball here. We got to get going, bring that shield down. Lando's coming. And it's like, we're, we're stuck in teddy bear land. And it really is like a good <laughs> five, 10 minutes of like, 
this movie really slows down. Like it really does. Like they're trying to cook on and they got R2 tied up and three POs floating in the air. It's just, it's a very slow part of the movie where it's like, there's a lot of shit that has to happen. And we just get this weird 10 minute period of just, it's a tangent. Walking. It's a huge tangent. Totally. And yeah. uh, That's I, my one complaint with Jedi, oh, that and you'll, you'll find this shocking. I mean, I love Harrison Ford to death. He's my favorite actor. He, you watch him in no hope and you watch him in empire and you watch him force awakens. He's committed. He just wants to get return of the Jedi done. And Han's just in return of the Jedi. That's my biggest complaint. He just <laughs> is kind of in it. I will give Alden Ehrenreich credit. He was better as Han Solo and Solo than Harrison Ford was in return of the Jedi. Cause Harrison was just visibly checked out. And if you read the behind the scenes stuff, he was just like, can we just kill him off? And it was for a reason. He doesn't have anything to do. He doesn't have a family. Let him sacrifice himself. And George was like, no, I want to give him a happy ending. And he's like, okay, I guess I'm just in it. So, so that's yeah. my one gripe about that. But other than that, I love the movie, obviously. Yeah, th- those first three movies are great, and they are fun. The prequels I've only seen once a piece. And frankly, I still haven't seen the ending of episode one, because as I talked about before, I bought the VHS. Hadn't seen it in the theater at all, but I bought the VHS and I was watching it in uh, 2001. So I saw it. Over a year. I guess saw at that point almost two years. It was Easter weekend. Wow, yeah. Yeah, Easter weekend 2001. I bought it and I was watching it and right before the final battle, so I'd say the last half hour, 40 minutes, was when one of my friends called me and said Joey Ramona died. And I was in such a bad mood after that that I never bothered finishing the movie. So I haven't seen the entirety of episode one, which, you know, it's never, I, I was just kind of watching it. And just watching it, I mean, clearly, since it was basically two years after it came out, I wasn't in too big a rush. But uh, first you know, 90 minutes isn't going to do anything for you. I mean, if the, well, the last and that's 30 it. minutes is really the best part. So, that, well, that's that's the problem. And when people say that, like, oh, but the ending is great. It's, OK, but do I need to sit through an hour and a half of pod racing and you know bullshit like that in order to get to the interesting parts? That to me seems like yeah, a big waste of movie. It's my least favorite. I, it's my least favorite one out of all the live action films. And John Schnepp, the late, great John Schnepp, put it best. He's like, I never thought I'd be bored watching a Star Wars movie. And he actually I watched a video with him back in the day on Collider when he did like a commentary for it, he counted the number of sit in a circle talk scenes. And it's, that's what the movie really has. It doesn't have any kind of fun to it. Like I liked it as a kid and I was happy to see it when I was 13. Cause I enjoyed it. But when I went back and saw it in my late twenties, I, it finally hit me of, Oh, I get why people were disappointed. It's just a very slow paced film. There's not a lot of action and excitement and it just kind of leaves you wanting more. It doesn't really, cause like that's what the hype was about. Like it didn't really like, Ooh, I can't wait for the next one. It kind of leaves you like, where do we go from here after this one? It, it kind of just felt dull at the end. It's like, Oh wow. That was, that was it. Like each of the other star Wars films makes you excited for the next one. This was just kind of like, I guess I'm, I'll wait for episode two whenever that comes out. Like it didn't leave you with excitement. And you find that less boring. Since you said episode one's your least favorite of the live action ones, you you like Attack of the Clones better? I like Attack of the Clones better because there's a lot more action in it. And the acting aside is the worst part of that movie. The Anakin Padme relationship is it's awful. They have no chemistry whatsoever. But that end bat like the the fight scenes, it, it kind of feels like Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, where the narrative is constructed around all the big action scenes. If you watched Kingdom of the Crystal Skull and you watched Attack of the Clones, they're almost kind of the same way in their way that they're paced story-wise, action scene, story-wise, action scene. And the end battle I love because it really breaks out the Clone War, which I think was, there's a lot, it had a lot better action in it. So that's why I would give 
Attack of the Clones the slight advantage over Phantom Menace. I see. Just because it's more exciting. It has works like better lightsaber fights, better ground battles. Like that's the stuff I love. And that's not all I go to Star Wars for. I want a great story and the story's so, so, and kind of all over the place, but the end really the last 45 minutes of that film really saves it for me. Okay. See, I don't even remember the last, I remember virtually nothing except just being bored. Like attack of the clones. I caught on HBO and <laughs> I, just, <laughs> I remember watching it and then it was just like, uh, okay. And I didn't see, Episode three until 2010 when you and Andrew basically made me watch it. So you haven't yeah. seen it or you at least need to watch that. And you understanding the need for completion in me said, yeah, yeah you should watch it. So I watched it one night and I was like, okay, that's all right. That's that was that. okay, I guess. And then of course this new trilogy of movies comes out or gets announced anyway that Star Wars is now under the Disney banner. So now we're going to get some new movies and that kind of brings us to the, the point of focus now. Yeah. As we've said many times, and I've said it for sure, Star Wars fans to me are the worst fans of all fandom because I always feel like they want to complain no matter what because for some reason this is untouchable to them. I'm saying I think they're worse than the fans of Ghostbusters. I think they're worse than the fans of any other franchise, basically, because they're so insanely critical of just whatever happens in the movies is not good enough. And that happened... With Force Awakens, that happened a hell of a lot during Last Jedi, and that happened basically as much as the as much criticism was levied against the Rise of Skywalker as there was against the Last Jedi, but for different reasons. So yes. I, I'm just I I hate Star I I don't want to say I hate all Star Wars fans, but oh, yeah. well, the, not, the super me, nerdy holier than thou. Fans. Oh, of course, but the ones. I mean, and you know the type I'm talking about, who are critical oh, no I matter what. Do. They hated I, Force Awakens. This is New Hope told over again. Raise a Mary Sue, blah blah blah. You know all the all the internet all bottom the feeders that made that no one could understand exactly. before they saw that movie. That nobody actually thought until they read somebody else on you know fucking Reddit posted their opinion. Yeah, and said, oh yeah, I and agree the guy with who that. made those comments was a scumbag anyway, who got outed in the whole Me Too thing. So no, really, here we go. Oh, okay. Follow him. Yeah, uh, <laughs> it was. Uh, oh, What's his name? Um, I don't even care. I don't even want to give him any attention. Yeah. But regardless, I yeah, I saw Force Awakens in the theater. It's the first Star Wars movie I saw in the theater at all, and I saw it by myself. So that was oh, you something. didn't even see the special editions in the theater back. In no, 97. I didn't. Well, that was a funny thing. I remember, and this is how much of a, a wacko I am. I uh, remember my I was a freshman in high school when those special editions came out in ninety seven, and I wanted to see them, and I had friends who were going to see them. And frankly, the movie I was looking forward to seeing, because <laughs> it had opened up um, around the same time, actually, that they pushed Star Wars back a week or two, was Private Parts, Howard Stern's movie, which I was way more yes, interested in seeing. But being underage, I wasn't able to go. I was, let's see, I was 15. I just turned 15 that October. So I wasn't able to go see it by myself. I could have gone to see, to see Star Wars. And I don't know why I didn't go with my friends to see it. Because they were all talking about it on Monday at school. About seeing Star Wars on the big screen. I kind of wish I had. Just yeah. because I've never seen those original movies on the big screen. And That's the only time I've ever seen them on the big screen. I was I was born after the movies came out. So well, And they've never re-released them since. Right. Well, that's where it kind of gets me. Because I'll give you an example of why I look at it now and say, wow, I wish circa 1997 I had done that. I've seen the movie Goodfellas a dozen times from when the first time I rented it from Blockbuster in the 90s on the 20-inch TV in the living room, you know, watching a, a VHS tape of it, 
to seeing it on cable to buying it on DVD and buying it on Blu-ray. And then the first time I saw Goodfellas in the theater, well, it's the only time I saw it in the theater, was, I want to say it was 2017. I saw it at the Arclight in Hollywood with my sister, who had never seen the movie, and I said, no, you'll like it. It's It has its violent moments. But I said the humor and everything and just the whole vibe of, you know, the the, the Italian family dynamics and things like that. I said, you're going to get enough out of it because she doesn't like violence. She oh, that's like a quick three-hour watch, movies. too, for me, too. It, it totally is. sucked into that movie. It flies by. And she did love it. But the, the main takeaway for me was I've seen that movie. At le- I mean, no exaggeration, at least a dozen times, which doesn't seem all that crazy, especially when we're talking about, you know, some, <laughs> when we're mainly talking about Star Wars right now. Uh, yeah. A dozen times seems like absolutely nothing. That's, a, that's noob numbers. But <laughs> I saw Goodfellas however many times. But seeing it in the theater was a completely different experience. And it's not, I mean, yes, of course, the argument can be made that Martin Scorsese is very visual and has a style, and you can tell a Scorsese movie by how the camera moves, things like that, but it's not a popcorn movie where it's a big extravaganza with special effects and a you know, big, powerful score and everything else, and it still just had that impression. And as you you and I have said so many times that, yes, we prefer to see films in the theater, and when old movies do play in the theater, when they'll play something like Ghostbusters or like when we saw the Indiana Jones entire series all four of them yeah. back in 2013 i think that was i think that was the last yeah. marathon we went to actually was the indiana that was Jones the last movies. like marathon because in 2012 there was like marathons of every single movie series for new films old films it was crazy we were spending so much money we did oh it was i'm in uncomfortable seats in amc <laughs> so it was actually die hard because i think uh oh, that yeah awful we could have last... left after I was only excited to see the first one, so we could have left after three. No, 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 You and Ryan wanted to see the new one. You were up for it. And maybe it was his no, excitement that was now, contagious. I would have said, Obviously. let's leave after three. But I was the only one who said this movie looks stupid. This is going to be boring. It looks like Bruce Willis is just phoning it in. This doesn't look like a diehard movie at all. It's just Bruce Willis shooting a gun, and that was good enough for Ryan, and I feel like his excitement got you amped up for it. But especially watching those movies in sequence, you can just see the decline of the fourth one and the fifth one. But that was a long marathon. And, and the ascendance <laughs> of the second one, obviously, for me. Yeah. Like, oh, it was really good. You're like, this is a bad movie. I get why people compare it to the first one, but this was really fun. Um, yeah. But you're right. Yeah, there hasn't been. And I mean, I don't even think they did double features or, you know, you, your hope was that with Rise of Skywalker, they were going to show Force Awakens and Last Jedi. They did do the trilogy. Well, I'm sorry. They actually did the saga with The Force Awakens, Last Jedi, and Rise of Skywalker. But they started like in the middle of the night. Like you had to start like one in the morning for Phantom Menace. I was like, so I was like, so you can wake up, skip the prequels if you want to go watch the original trilogy. But still, that's the whole thing is like, I want to sit with my family and friends and no one's going to do that. And I wouldn't want to do that marathon anyway, especially because these movies are so always readily available to me. When Last Jedi came out, they did do a double feature of Force Awakens and Last Jedi. So I was like, okay. So when three comes out, I hope there is a trilogy, but I don't know what, maybe it's just how the business is run. They were just probably like, let's just do the new movie or maybe it was mandated from Lucasfilm. Like we don't want to do this. I don't know because I feel like that, that, that seems like leaving money on the table. I mean, I said the same thing when Endgame came out, I was hoping they would have a double feature with Infinity War. I mean, they did it for Guardians one and two, for Christ's sake. Why wouldn't they have done it for, you know, a bigger property like Infinity War? I I remember that. I was planning to like, oh, we should, I should schedule a day off of work because Infinity War is going to happen before Endgame. Totally. I know it's going to happen. It'll be at four o'clock or something. It's like, there's no showings of it. How is this possible? Yeah. So So. I don't know if that's a Disney thing, but to me, it's just, that's just printing money, putting the movie that you've already have. That especially you'll not, get a packed house. 
Well, and you're also not sending out reels like you used to. Everything's digitally sent to the theater. So I would have thought it was it would have been a move. And yeah, I would have gone to see the first, you know, episode seven and eight before seeing you know uh, what it Rise might have Skywalker. Because Disney Plus just launched the month before. It might have been that. I been guess. Like, Listen, those movies are out. People could see them. We want to push the streaming service. And yeah, maybe those people will go see a trilogy, but maybe they'll also spend $6 a month on a Disney streaming service and then go to the theater to see the new one. So that could have been something. I, I guess. I mean, I it's it's always surprising to me when they don't. I mean, I don't understand why two years ago they didn't re-release The Dark Knight for its 10th anniversary either. I thought that was a weird move. Just thinking yeah. people are going to go. I mean, their anniversary screenings of... Movies that are not as big or maybe don't, you know, they may be classic films in one regard. They release Close Encounters of the Third Kind, like, every other year. And that, like, and it makes <laughs> me wonder, like, what is the actual anniversary of this movie? It's 1977 for those who were wondering, but it's like, why is Close Encounters always get re-released? Who's asking for that? It's a good movie, but <laughs> right. who's always going to want to go see Close Encounters? But it's not like seeing Jaws in the theater or... Raiders of the Lost Ark or anything like that. No. So I'm I'm with you on that. But anyway, so to circle back specifically to uh, this this new trilogy, I liked Force Awakens initially, and I said, okay, well, I don't need to see that again. But I know you were in love, and you oh, saw, saw it. How many times did you go see? I've it? seen four times in the theater. Really, I loved it. I I saw it opening night, and then days later. This isn't a slight against you, but everybody but you, I saw it with. And it's I know because it didn't work out that way. Well, that's it. Like you had already seen it a couple of times. I'd gone spontaneously because I saw it like the the week in between Christmas and New Year's or something of 2015. Because I was home and I was staying with my parents down in the Tom's River area, and uh, there was a theater like less than two miles away from them. And after paying L.A. theater prices for the last three years. I saw that going to see a movie after matinee time was like nine bucks. And yeah. I said, oh, hell yeah, I'm just going to go. And I was I had nothing to do anyway. I mean, you all were still working just because I was home. You know, life doesn't stop and I never expected it would. But I was just sitting home and my parents were watching two separate TVs in two different rooms in the house. Uh, so maybe I'll go see Star Wars. And when I saw it was only nine dollars to go see a show at like eight thirty or nine thirty, whatever time it was. I said, deal. oh, man, I'm just going up the street. Right. I mean, I, it's probably not that cheap anymore. But I'm telling you, when if you're not paying matinee prices in L.A., it was like. 17 bucks to see a movie at night and i just thought fuck this i am not going i'm not yeah. paying that much money so i would always go to matinees or you know eventually when they started introducing uh like five dollar six dollar tickets on tuesdays yeah I, I didn't do that i went i got tickets for uh noel and my sister and her boyfriend at the time and my and our friend Corey to see it opening night and i also saw it in imax and i saw it in imax again and then i saw it in 3d with my dad so it was like i saw it in every format that was available at the time right and it was like money was no object i just i loved i was so excited about it and seeing it just i wasn't worried about whether i'm not gonna like i knew i was gonna love the movie anyway and i just went in and it's just it's like all i want is just a fun star wars movie and there was like one fan theory i wanted to come that i wanted to happen and it actually came true i was like i bet Kylo Ren is Han and Leia's son because I saw on a magazine like a couple weeks before Adam Driver in like a vest kind of thing, like how Han will wear. I'm like, I bet he's Han and Leia's kid. I hope he's Han and Leia's kid because I know he's playing Kylo Ren. And then when it gets mentioned in the movie, I just went to myself, yes. And that was the only like fan theory I had. I was like, okay. I mean, if that didn't happen, obviously it wouldn't have ruined the film. But like, I was like, I bet that's what's going to happen. I bet he's Han and Leia's kid. He has to be. Corey, our friend, jokes about it, but I got emotional 
right before the credits came up or for the opening crawl. It's like, it's actually here. I waited a year and a half for that movie in anticipation once they said it was going into production. And then it hit a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. Star Wars. I was a blubbering like, Oh my God, it's here. Episode <laughs> seven. It's here. The force awakens. And then all of a sudden it says Luke Skywalker has vanished. And I just straightened right up like, okay, we're in this. Let's do this now. Like, <laughs> well, you've been waiting 10 like, years. Oh, shit. Luke you... Skywalker's missing. Oh, I'm so in. Like it just, there was no worry about me whatsoever. <laughs> it, I had, it had been 10 years though, since you saw the last Star Wars movie. So yeah. I get it. I get the excitement level. I mean, Which, I didn't, I felt like on the opposite end, I was so burnt out hearing about Star Wars and the anticipation and every ticketing website crashes because, you know, people are ordering oh, the tickets as soon as they go on sale. Oh my God. <laughs> see, that's what I mean. Your experience of this is kind of opposite mine where when I see all the hype and the excitement and everything, I get so turned off. And that's why I wasn't even going to go near a theater the first week it opened because I knew there would be people going out to see it opening weekend. Forget it. But the week after, I just knew that was going to be people going to repeat viewing for their second and third show yeah. so honestly, i just wanted to stay like, away from it oh totally and and all honesty opening night i remember it so vividly the theater was under control like i remember we went and saw the dark knight trilogy that was kind of out of control that was so, chaotic yeah that was really like, bad there was so much that i remember like actually waiting in the hallways and we had an early show it was like 7 15 i was so lucky to get like such early tickets like every theater was closing down and everything was becoming force awakens. Like every theater, there was nobody was going to see whatever else was out at the time. I can't even remember what was out at the time, but like, uh, I think the only thing was, that came out was uh, that Tina Fey, Amy Poehler movie sisters. I literally think that was the only new movie that came out. Yes. I, I remember. Cause they made a joke about that. It's like, we're opening the same day as star Wars. Yeah. yeah it's like <laughs> counter programming, I guess, so, <laughs> the but expectation that there's going to be, you know, an overflow audience. I think, that happened with what was it? I think Bruce Almighty opened against X two or the one of the Matrix sequels or something. And actually, that that was I think the one case where it worked in a movie's favor, opening against a big tentpole, having a comedy that ran kind of contrary to whatever the I think that I actually was. was a victim of that because I think I did want to go see Matrix and then went and saw Bruce Almighty and had a horrible time. I think so. I think it was Matrix Reloaded. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, opened against uh, I had a horrible time Bruce with Bruce Almighty. Almighty, and then later on, Matrix Reloaded when I saw it. So people love Bruce Almighty, but they never really. Got oh, to I hate either. that movie. I never even bothered with the sequel. <laughs> I, I didn't. I didn't either. Well, the only appeal would have been Jim Carrey for me anyway, and that movie just didn't pan out. So when it's like Steve Carell in Evan Almighty, I thought, mm, no, not really, not interested in a a biblical yeah. parallel kind of movie about whatever anyway star wars is there anything you don't like about force awakens um there's one thing that it's it's not even a dislike it's after han gets killed by kylo like everything blows up in the control room all of a sudden like ray and finn just kind of run out of the room and they're cornered by kylo like it just doesn't take a moment to take a breath of like he's dead how did kylo get out there to meet them it's that's a stupid little nitpick and in the end it doesn't make sense he he met them out there somehow but it just the pace jj abrams was setting a pace of like the movies move very quickly and it's true you watch the original trilogies everything you're on to one thing and the other and that same in the rise of skywalker you're on from one thing to another to another you got to get the pace moving but after han gets killed and you have that moment like they run out and it just kind of like breaks into the fight of a lightsaber fight and actually um it just takes a moment. It's like, okay, we could slow this a little bit down and just have them kind of these two kids who obviously just met Han, but are, were deeply affected by him that just take a breath and be like, he's gone. And then all of a sudden you turn around and his bastard son's there. 
and actually one thing that I didn't have a problem with at the time, because I thought as the movies go on, this is going to get resolved. But since the movies have finished, the one thing I do have a nitpick about is the fact that they found Luke's old lightsaber after it was clearly cut out of his hand in Empire Strikes Back. It was never explained. It could just be a simple thing of dialogue. That's one thing out of this whole series that like, with J.J. Abrams especially, like I know you want to get on to the next thing, but a, a moment of how did this happen should be explained. And when he, when Han asks the character Maz Kanata, where did you get that? Good question for another time is her answer. It's like you could just say such and such. I had people looking for it and I found it. And then nothing's Instead, explained. It's just, that's it's, it's just never answered. And it's like that's one of my of, criticisms, too. Honestly, it's kind of like it's like it's kind of a big deal. You could like I. I Shouldn't and I would never abdicate. Like, listen, if you love Star Wars and you want to try to read the books and comics, feel free. They're supplemental material, but you should never have to be like, oh, I should read that. Have to feel like I need to read that to find out where it goes. You could just have a simple line of dialogue that says, "I had people looking for it, and after years of searching in the galaxy, I found it." Something like that. Instead of good question for another time, is like let the next director handle it, or it's not important. It actually is an important detail. I mean, it doesn't derail anything. <laughs> how does like, one of the most important, <laughs> how does one of the most important lightsabers in the galaxy end up in the, in a box in the basement of a cantina? Yes. Yeah. Just say it. Just I say like, I found it or I searched the galaxy for it or something. Give a little bit yeah, of that, context. That bothered me too, because that's something that was never explained in the arc of these three movies, which seems like a fairly important point instead of, Hey, guess what? We've got a, uh, We've got Luke Skywalker's lightsaber, and we're not going to tell you how it got it's here. In the marketing, in the months leading up to the film, there were posters released, and Finn has the lightsaber, and it's like, holy shit, that's Luke's lightsaber, right? Like well, that's his like legit lightsaber from his father's lightsaber, and everything. And it's like, how do you get that? Like, oh, I gotta, I gotta know that story, right? It's in the first doesn't... trailer they show him lighting up Luke's lightsaber, yeah. For it's the fight in with every Kylo. poster, it's in every action figure. It's like, how do you get the lightsaber back? It's a key part of the movie. And said, it's good question for another time. And at the time, it's like, okay, well, whoever will explain it next. And it just never gets explained. And it's right. like, just say it, it's not even like I need to know the whole story. It's just just give a line of dialogue. It can clearly it can because I know you said you want to move on to the next thing, but Star Wars fans can as much as you don't think they would be. They can be patient, and if something's explained or just said in a way that makes sense to them they'll be like okay i can accept that all right let's get on to the fight i agree with that i mean my only other real criticism with it was the fact that the millennium falcon's just sitting there on a planet and nobody knows like considering everything that happened you would figure that'd be a pretty important part of the story of what just happened 40 years before and it's just sitting there and at the same time everybody is able to just climb i'm saying finn and ray are able to just climb in and drive away with the Millennium Falcon. <laughs> well, isn't that a pretty important part of the history of what happened in this world? It's well, just sitting true, there. And anybody but... like, well, the keys in the ignition. Well, let's go. <laughs> they blew up my ship. We're out of here. It does just seem well, kind of silly. Well, it's true. But I also think that that goes along the sign of, especially in A New Hope, like the call of destiny. Certain things happen. So, like R2 and 3PO kind of land in Luke Skywalker's lap. They, they, they're just purchased that day. He doesn't know that it's his father's old droid. I mean, at the time, he doesn't know it's a droid to the rebellion, and they're like it all kind of just falls in place. And Han says, "I mean, that's one thing that JJ's put in the film. Like, it got stolen from Han because Han was probably reckless and had shit going on, and it got passed from one person to the other to the other. And you know, it, it's kind of like the call of destiny. It's like this is the thing 
that links all this together. So it's, yes, it's weird that it's in the desert, but at the same time, it's also the call to destiny of like, wow, if you don't think about it, if they take the other ship, none of this other stuff happens. Maybe they get away. Maybe they get to where they need to go. They drop the droid off. They go back home. Finn runs away, but it's kind of like, this is the big connecting piece. And it's, it's somewhat explained of like, it got taken from Han. I mean, Han's not the most diligent of people that you learn in the other films. And, you know, I'm sure he was overwhelmed by fatherhood or life, just life got in the way. And it was like, where the hell's my ship? Something happened and it got taken from him and it got passed on. So nobody knows that it will raid and all the, they don't know it's the millennium Falcon. They're just like, it's a piece of crap ship. They're young kids are like, it's just well, a piece of, of crap course, ship that doesn't but work. That's what I mean. So. In, in the story of if something happened in, and I'm just saying in real life, if there was something that was a big deal like that, like if it was, this is the car that JFK was shot in or something like that. You would think people would know about that or something. Oh, totally. I'm trying to compare it to something to real life. I'm trying to think of, there isn't really a car that was used in a heroic moment that I could compare the Millennium Falcon to. I'm just saying you would think somebody would know and that it wouldn't just be sitting there where any schmo can climb in and fly away with it. I just think that's kind of funny. I get what but you're also, saying. They're in the part of the galaxy that's literally a junk. It's a, it's a, the well, yeah, everybody's trading in stuff for, yeah, for they're like trading or... it for like liquid muffins. So yeah. they're like trading gear parts on Starship. So that's, that's their revenue. So they're like, well, that thing's a piece of crap. That guy owns it. I, right. Whatever. So I do it, have to it, say another criticism to, to kind of go back to what you said before about Han's death. The idea that he gets stabbed with, the, you know, run through with the lightsaber. And the first thing isn't Chewie screaming. Instead, there's a moment where the lightsaber goes through him as if they couldn't see it. You know what I mean? From where they were on whatever bridge, you know, there's always that yeah. big, that big expansive room that's empty where there's a bridge that is in every Star Wars movie. Imperial design. <laughs> yeah, just, you exactly. Know, vampires don't care for your safety. So wherever it is they're standing, yeah. they can certainly see what happened and that he was run through. It doesn't take him falling off the bridge for Chewie to suddenly yell and then take a shot at Kylo Ren. And continue shooting at him because just because stormtroopers enter the scene, they can't hit anything. So Chewie could have fired off a couple of shots of Kylo. Well, it's true, but also... <laughs> but like, I know, it's convenient. It's setting up a trilogy and all that well, No, 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 stuff. no. But like at the same time, that moment of when he puts the lightsaber through him, Han's still standing and he still puts his hand to his son's cheek and that people have said, the positive fans of this have said, like, that one touch still saved the galaxy because... As much as he wanted to commit to the dark side, like Han forgave him in that moment of just like, you're still my son. So, and it goes right into Last Jedi where Snoke yells him that deed split you, your spirit to the bone. You were unbalanced and you were beaten by a girl who never held a lightsaber before. Like it, that kid is still there. Ben Solo is still there. And that as much as he committed in that moment to like, no, I'm not Ben Solo. Han just touched his cheek of like, no, you're still my son. And then that comes into play later on in Rise of Skywalker of just Okay, you're making me the dial redemption it back a of little Ben now. Solo was there all along. All right. You're making me calm down a little bit about that. But the yeah. fact that he was named Ben is is fan service, I feel. Just no, because they didn't I, even know Obi Wan Kenobi. My I when I took my mom to see that, when he yelled Ben, my mom touched her chest and started sobbing because she was so moved that I was like, he named him Ben after Ben Kenobi and all these things. It was so. But did, yeah. did Han and Leia even know Ben Kenobi really? Like well, so Leia much they named their son. Leia knew who he was. Leia knew who Ben Ken- uh, Obi Wan Kenobi was through her father. Hmm. In in um, they in the in the prequels, Jimmy Smith plays Leia's adopted father. 
So the stories of Obi-Wan and everything else and just what that name must have meant to what meant to them and probably through Luke too. Uh, that could have been something of we'll name him Ben because what Obi-Wan meant to Luke and his I knew him as Ben Kenobi. So you never know how that could have I thought it was perfect. I see. I thought it was so perfect. So now we'll fast forward to the first Star Wars movie I saw with you in a theater, which was The Last Jedi, which you taking all of us to see it in IMAX was basically the groomsman gift. Yes. After your wedding, which and you I didn't s- wait for either of you because I, nope. I saw three days. I saw it opening night. Fuck so. this. I'm going. I'm not waiting on you guys. Screw you guys. I'm going. Bob. I don't even know who you went with, but uh, I'm um, going with whoever. Uh, my new, At the time, my, my wife, who um, we were just six days married at that point. We didn't go on our honeymoon because we were waiting until the new year. And right. my brother-in-law. So we went on opening night. So I see. Yeah. And you initially... Love the Last Jedi as well. I initially, I don't want to say loved. I knew when I saw it. The first thing I said was, "This is the boldest Star Wars movie I've ever seen." I kept saying that word, "bold." It was bold. I I messaged Andrew, our friend, and was like, "You, need, I know you're one and done in movies. See this movie twice because it it takes for me. It took a lot to settle. So when I saw it with you guys again, I wasn't conflicted for three days. Like I don't know if I like it. It's like. I know there's a lot of good Star Wars in here. There's just so much in this movie that I, I can't fathom it all together at one point. I remember going home and just af- an hour and a half after the movie ended, I, I probably took a shower. And I got out of the shower and I was like, oh, my God, Luke Skywalker's dead. Like, it didn't even hit me <laughs> right. in the theater. It was just like, oh, he disappeared. Oh, he's dead, too. There's so much in that movie. It was so, like, to take in was, like, between some of the humor people had a problem with. All the like the things with Luke and Ray, the Snoke stuff, like everything was just kind of like the movie was exhausting and not in a bad way to me. Like some fans took it. It was like, this is a wow. Whoa. Like Star Wars has never done this before. Like, and that was one thing. Like, I know everybody's criticisms about The Force Awakens was, oh, it's like a new hope. It's not exactly like a new hope. Yes, there's story beats that are similar, but that's just all of star wars to me i think it's everything that was good about star wars was put into the force awakens to and to pass on to a new generation but to me when you get to that lightsaber fight with ray kylo and finn that's the passing of the torch for the next generation but i didn't want all the nostalgic kind of feels for last jedi and i was kind of concerned because in the lead-ups in the movie there's imperial walker lookalikes there's um a planet that kind of looks like hoth poe dameron's dressed like han solo there's a training thing with Luke and Ray. Is that similar like Luke and Yoda? And, and it's just like, I don't want to have the same kind of, like as much as I love Force Awakens and maybe some of the, the all things I love about Star Wars combined to push the new generation forward. It's like, we're in this now. What are we going to get? And there was rumors of like, this is different. This is different. And I'm like, okay, it's different, but how could it be different? And because all the marketing, all the toys are looking like it looks a little empire-ish to me. And I don't want them to fall in the line of like, well, the se- everybody gets in that thing with a sequel. Everybody says the sequel is like the Empire Strikes Back of the Batman movies or the Empire Strikes Back of the Godfather. Like whatever it is, the Empire Strikes Back is used as a benchmark, rightfully so, for sequels. But I didn't want The Last Jedi to feel like the Empire Strikes Back. And that Concern was que- was snuffed out pretty much right away. Like, oh, holy shit. Like, when Luke throws the lightsaber, I was like, oh, God, we're, I don't know what to expect anymore in this movie. Like, and I wasn't <laughs> mad. I was like, I was genuinely, my jaw dropped. I was shocked that Luke threw it. I was like, you know something's what? wrong. Like, something's wrong, not in a fanboy way, but something's wrong. Like, something's wrong with this character. 
and everybody's complaining. He's not the same Luke. That's the point. He's not the same Luke He's Skywalker, not the same, you yeah. know. And I love that. It's been 30, however many years, you know, that, and there have been things that have caused him to go to this place emotionally and physically, you know, making himself pretty much impossible to find up until yeah. the end of Force Awakens. But right that that all the stuff that you're saying is exactly what i did like about the movie because i felt it was different and that's the frustrating part about i can't just put this on star wars fans but it's a frustrating part about film fans in general or just the general public we want something different well you got something different with the same characters it didn't follow the same story beats as another star wars movie or really another movie it expanded on the lore that was already there because you can't argue that writer director ryan johnson didn't know star wars lore he didn't just pull shit out of his ass and then just no. put it up on screen. He actually did have reference points for the stuff that he put into the movie. And it was something different. And it was challenging. And it was more... In- I felt it was more intense. With the exception of the whole side quest with the casino, I thought, okay, that's, everything that's else... is in the wrong Star Wars movie. If Finn and Rose went to, let's say, the dingy planet... In- if they swapped a location from Solo... And The Last Jedi, it could have been completely different. Like, if that casino planet's in Solo, that fits that movie better. Finn and Rose didn't need to be in casino. Like, I get the idea. I was excited. I was like, oh, this is going to be a fun little trippy cantina type thing. I love those things in Star Wars. You're not there for very long, so I don't get uh, so Yeah, much that, that whole role. story and then the Benicio Del Toro character and all yeah. that. I just felt it was all just, it was kind of throwaway in a movie that was otherwise very challenging and very intense, I thought, up to and including. I mean, geez, the, the, the two moments that got to me the most well number one was yoda on screen which is which I was all my eyes out the night i saw that movie <laughs> that was my grab all my eyes out <laughs> that was my grab grab the chest like you know your mother's moment in force awakens that was me just like <gasps> I, I honestly wasn't expecting it because i try to be as as present as possible and not get distracted like i'll maybe examine a movie later or think about what i was expecting versus what i ended up seeing you know what ended up in the movie but that was a real moment where I was just, I wasn't expecting Yoda and it's Frank Oz and it's a puppet. And that was, you know, oh. that voice and Frank, just me being such a huge Muppet fan that didn't much more so than a Star Wars fan. Like that's really what got me that moment of he's, the, as soon as they kind of show the back of his head, I thought, oh, no, Yoda's in this. You know, so I had that moment, yeah, that I, kind of fanboy when I saw moment that, of I mean, emotion. Obviously there's rumors and fan theories and everything goes into these movies and I don't really buy into them. I just, there's a great podcast I listen to for, Star Wars. It's called Force Center. If people want to check it out, it's so good. They have a phrase that called it says "speculate responsibly." So you can all. There were people who I was while following on the internet who were like, "Obi Wan's going to be in it. Mace Windu's going to be in it. Anakin's ghost is going to be in it. This ghost." And I was like, "Don't get caught up in that because it might not be true." But when Yoda showed up, it was like, "Oh my god!" And when, like you said, when it zoomed in on the puppet, to me it was like it's real. That's what hit me. It was like. You see the back of his head, but then it's like, you see him, it's like, oh my God, it's him from Empire. And it just, the tears just right came out of me like a river. And the, un- and the moment of just him and Luke was really just, oh, okay, this is, th- this is as close to a nostalgia moment as I'm probably getting in these movies. Cause I'm not n- noticing every little thing. I mean, you realize it afterwards, but like, I don't notice the dice hanging in the Falcon or I don't notice, you know, when, when one character saying a line that another character said in the, the first trilogy or all that other stuff, I don't pick up on those things. On my first viewing, I'm not that hardcore about it, but it did just give me the feeling of, wow, there's this Yoda and Luke moment that's really touching all these years later where Yoda's still guiding Luke in his own way. And then, of course, there's the fight, the the, not really a fight, 
between Luke and Kylo at the end, which was just really intense where it's like, oh, shit, he's going to come lay waste to everything that's going on, which is kind of the movie everybody wanted. Luke's going to come back and kick the First Order's ass, and that's when they all got bitchy because they didn't get it. That was the movie they wanted, yeah, and, and they didn't get what. And as time goes on and the more viewings I've had, and obviously because I was so caught up in the moment of Yoda, I didn't really get everything he was saying at that time because I was so fixated on just it's him. When I saw it with you guys, you're wiping like, your eyes. So you're too busy. Yeah. You're trying to just gain some kind of uh, emotional balance in that moment. Like, oh my god, I'm kind yeah. of sorry, I missed that. When when I saw it with you guys, I saw I started to I obviously listened more, and it's like it's a continuation of his lesson to him in Empire. You're not here where you're supposed to be. You're always thinking out there. Young Skywalker always looking to the horizon, and it's just so beautiful. Like, it's just like Yoda's final lessons. Like, Luke, you're still as powerful as you are and as much as you picked up in 30 years and taught yourself and made choices. You're still that young kid who just isn't paying attention to what's really in front of him. And that end of that movie is Yoda's lesson. Whatever he taught him is embodied there. And it's it's beautiful. I love it. Yeah. And watching the movies all together, which is kind of what we did after The Last Jedi, Sherry and I watched the original trilogy again. And then we watched Force Awakens and Last Jedi. Actually, it was right when Last Jedi came on Blu-ray. I remember that because I think it was out digitally. And after we watched Force Awakens, I was really tempted, like, maybe I should buy it digitally. Like, even though it's going to come with a digital copy, I kind of want to see it again. Because around yeah. that time, that's when movies were getting released digitally, maybe two weeks ahead of time. Now it's like, oh, a, way ahead now time, it's like yeah. a month ahead of time or more, given, you know, the, the situation we're in in and 2020. And as a fan, it's super tempting. It's like, should I just get it now? It's like my, but my DVD's <laughs> on pre-order. Just wait. Like, yeah, well, that, that's what I ultimately did. She talked me out of it, but just after we watched Force Awakens, I thought, should I just buy this now and we can just watch it tonight? But having seen The Last Jedi and then watched those original movies back, oh, I thought, man, wow, that, that really does bring it back. And it's a shame that fans didn't appreciate, I mean, self-important fans who just criticized The Last Jedi to death, and there, there are plenty of dudes who made some shekels criticizing it on YouTube, but it, yeah, it's yeah. it's not some failure it's not some movie where it's like it needs to be redone it doesn't make any sense it wasn't completely out of left field it was just like you and i talked about a couple weeks ago we're talking about it's become cool to not like sequels and finales of things yeah it wasn't the movie they expected in their head it wasn't the movie they they were hoping for for. years they were hoping that luke was going to take the lightsaber be like let's go kick some ass and that was going to be two hours of that at it and it's like (laughs) why was he there in the first place he wasn't playing hide and seek He's there for a reason. Right. He's lost his way. And that honestly, when I sat with my dad and watched it, it really kind of like hit him. Not like hit him, but it was like people change. He brought it from experience of a person who's in his 60s, who's Mark Hamill's age. You know, people go through shit in their life and it really affects them no matter how old you are. So he really loved that story with Luke. Like he really connected with Luke Skywalker and that story of just like Luke lost his way. People go through things in their life. And and, and his mistakes brought him to a certain place where he said, I yeah. need to just get away from everything. So he really, my father resonated with that, loved that character's choice with him and was excited about the lightsaber fight with Kylo. He was so like, this is going to be so good. And then when it happened, he was like, what's going on? Like he's, he's making a peaceful stance because for a moment he was like, I don't get it. Why is he not there? It's like, he's making a peaceful stance so that others can be saved. And he's like, ah, oh my God, that was, he loved it. And that's one thing that people fail to realize. Like people thought going in, Luke Skywalker's this big superhero. He's this big guy. He's going to do everything because he's older and he's got to be more powerful, right? 
that's not what the stories are about. The stories are about lessons and choices. That movie, the main theme of The Last Jedi is choice. Every character in that movie has a choice. Rey has a choice to either try to save Ben Solo or learn her place in the galaxy and try to figure out where she is as a hero. Finn has a choice of, do I run away? Do I stand up and fight? Poe, what do I do? Like, I, do I just hop in an X-Wing and blow things up? Does that save everybody? No, it doesn't. Well, I, I don't like this purple-haired lady, but Leia's got a point of, like, you gotta save what you love. And to borrow a quote from the character Rose, you gotta save what you love because there might not be a tomorrow for everybody. It's all about choice. And Luke's choice of, I put myself here, I'm not meant to be anything because the, all the Jedi do is screw everything up and my my only duty is to just die and let it all go out. And I'm sorry for everyone's loss in the galaxy, but I can't do this anymore. And then when he realizes, like, I have to step up, I can't be the super Luke Skywalker. That's not the point. I have to be the symbol for the galaxy. I have to bring hope back into the galaxy. And that's what that ending means. And it's chef's kiss. It's perfect. <laughs> wow, Jack. You and really... Kylo Ren, another Kylo Ren thing, and I, this is my my favorite Kylo Ren film is The Last Jedi because he has a choice. He made a choice in The Force Awakens to kill his father, and maybe it weakened him. But he also has the choice of I just killed my boss, and it's like, and Ray thinks oh, you can help us. He's he's the light. Nope, he's so mistaken of I want what my grandfather had because he still thinks his grandfather's the the be-all, end-all, and has to finish that legacy as opposed to the legacy he truly belongs to, which is Luke, Leia, and Han. He's like, I have to... No, I'm in control. This is my time. I'm going to rule this galaxy. I'm going to do everything I can to bring order. He's a bad seed, and I love that choice of just, like, he just doubles down on, no, I'm not your hero, but you can join me, and we can do everything together. He's just so misguided, and I love that that choice that he makes it that's what the theme of the last Jedi is. It's about choice. It's about your choices affect whatever you do. If you run away, this happens. If you stand to fight, this happens, but save what you love and live to fight another day, but also be brave and stand up and fight for what you believe in. And that's the whole point of that movie. And the moment with Luke and Leia, I can't minimize that. That was a real smile moment of basically him saying goodbye to her. And, that brings uh, me to tears for obviously the variety of reasons. That was Carrie's last film. That she right. Made. Yeah. That was the last performance we would really see from, from Carrie Fisher. And, uh, obviously the, also the fight with Kylo and Ray in Snoke's throne room or whatever. That's one considered. of my favorite move, yeah. moments in Star Wars. That's I still get crazy to the point cool of tension moment. Before we move on to the next film, it took me three times to really be like, I love this movie. Like I said, first night I saw it, I was like, this is a lot to take in. When I saw it with you guys, okay, things are pieced together and there's a lot of cool stuff in here. It's still a little overwhelming, but I know I I know I could really get to like this movie in time and put the pieces together. And then like a month later, after I got back from my honeymoon, I found out there was a Dolby Cinema Theater at the Mammoth Mall Movie Theater by us. And I was like, oh my God, I've only heard about Dolby Atmos and how cool that is. I went and saw it and I just walked out of the theater like, I fucking love this movie i fucking <laughs> love this movie and i sat with an audience that loved it too clearly because after that fight was over in the throne room when Le- kylo put the lightsaber through the one guard's head at the end and when it f- ended it's a kid back he was like whoa just <laughs> well that point overall with that over a month later too you're get you're not getting a whole lot of first timers in there i mean maybe some but there's certainly a yeah. bunch of people who were at that point are coming back to see it again it could yeah. be their second time. And could paying be their a fifth premium time. price. That's like a that's one of the most expensive movie tickets I got. Yeah, like, exactly. It's worth it, but I gotta see it again and I wanna see it in this format. 
and it floored me. And every time I watch that movie, it just gets better and makes more sense and just it hits me so hard. I I love that film to death. I do too. Is it honestly was one of those moments where again, because it was a challenging movie and because it was something different, because again, I wasn't impressed by the the prequel trilogy where it just felt like a bunch of meetings and some lightsaber fights that were cool to look at, but I I don't know. I just was never really invested in what went on yeah. in the prequel trilogy. And then there's the original trilogy, which is fun, and obviously Empire's a great movie, and despite some of the, the weaker points in Jedi, it's a great movie. And yes, so is A New Hope, Episode 1, or Episode 4, rather. They, they are great, but after seeing Last Jedi, I thought, the first time, wow, this may be my favorite. Because yeah. this was so different from everything else, and not because it's different, and not even because they hate, as much as everybody wants to say, like, I just want to have a contrary opinion. No, I really thought this offers something different this isn't something that's just another yeah, yeah just another interchangeable because it's very easy to make the sequel that everybody would have expected it would have been easy to just make the movie that the fans are looking for and that has all you know just continues everything that happened in the last movie or what would be expected from a series like star wars where there is a lot to draw from there's a huge foundation and obviously there are endless books and comics and yeah. all sorts of stuff which would eventually be defined as what's canon you know what's part of the official story and what's kind of a what if scenario or kind of an alternate scenario which is something yeah. comic books do anyway but it's also the moment where it became clear after that movie came out that there was not an arc in mind for what was going to happen in these movies it was very much left up to the filmmakers as far as what they were going yes. to do and that ultimately is what ends up hindering rise of skywalker because there's a lot of stuff that was undone in last jedi which maybe there was anticipation for and if ryan johnson were to continue he would have had a, an idea of what was going to happen where okay you thought snoke was behind everything mm, well he's dead so now what now what's driving Kyle? Yeah. or captain that- phasma who was a cool action figure who ultimately was kind of nothing but you know, had a cool stormtrooper suit and it's the Game of Thrones chick. Okay. Otherwise, there was no, I mean, look, I don't envy anybody who had to come up with the Rise of Skywalker. Anybody involved in what was the planning as of, let's say, 2017, if it was even being worked on at that point prior to Last Jedi. Because, oh, well before then. Because right. Because the actually, fact. Sorry, go ahead. There's actually, coincidentally, I'm doing air quotes, right after the Rise of Skywalker came out, I want to say January or February this year, Colin Trevorrow, the original director of the films, his script leaked out on Reddit somewhere and uh, fan sites went crazy reading this thing. And look, I read through the script and I'll say this. There's a couple cool things in there that maybe I wanted in episode nine. I would have loved to have seen the return back to the planet in the prequels, the, the city planet Coruscant. I would have loved that to have the final battle there. There's a couple things, but there's also it didn't feel like there was, it felt like everything you heard in star Wars canon was kind of just meshed into this and it didn't make sense. Like Ray's lineage. I know people have a problem with that and we'll touch on that in a moment, but it made less sense in that movie. And it made less sense to me with what they would do with Kylo Ren and how to balance the force again, doing air quotes. Like I just kind of read through it. I was like, yeah, I didn't get that. Like I just didn't feel like that was a good finale overall. Because this is supposed to end the saga and not just the sequel trilogy. It just didn't do right by these characters a lot that I that I personally was invested in from seven and eight. And thankfully, 
I mean, JJ did come. I mean, thankfully, Colin Trevorrow left the project because I know a lot of people have their gripes about him. You say what you want about Jurassic World. It's a fun movie. Is it classic? No. It's the best Jurassic Park sequel you could probably ever ask for because the first one's untoppable as far as I'm concerned. I no, know this right. movie, The Book of Henry, was probably the death knell in that because right after that movie came out, got critically massacred and then failed at the box office miserably. Which obviously, um, you know, show business is a very much a what have you done for me lately kind of business yeah. where it's, well, this movie flopped and your other one was part of an established franchise. You rebooted it well, but we're not going to let you go like with you're, this. But, and also just looking at that script, it was just like, no, no. So no, it literally, no. you literally do think it was creative differences and they were just less likely to gamble on it because Book oh, of Henry I absolutely do because. You could look at Ryan's script and you could be like, oh, wow, there's a lot of chances and everything else. And working with a story group at Lucasfilm, maybe there were things in there that just spoke to him. And I'm sure, obviously, there were things tweaked along the way. I mean, there's on the Blu-ray, that whole Canto Bite thing was another 20 minutes of them being there, which thankfully got trimmed because that was just, it would have been awful if that continued on the way it was going. But there's so much that just reading that script, like, I get why they couldn't really make a movie out of that. There are people who would complain because the character of Rose and Rise of Skywalker, people who really stood up for Kelly Marie Tran. And I, again, Rose isn't my favorite character. I don't hate the character, but I don't see the reason to give that woman vitriol for someone who was doing her job. Oh, of course. But That's just she had angry fan boys. Role in Trevorrow's script. And maybe she was cut back in Rise of Skywalker for reasons, but... People were used that as, you see, you see, J.J. wanted nothing to do with that Rose character. And it was like vitriolic. It's like, see, Colin would have did something with her. It's like, J.J.'s characters are Finn, Ray, and Poe. And if, God forbid, he wanted to write a story of my three characters I wrote together going on an adventure together, like Han, Luke, and Leia, I'm going to do it. And I don't have to, and I could put Rose in the background because... She's a decent character, but she's not essential to the story. I mean, frankly, he put Finn in the background in Rise of Skywalker. He had nothing to do in that whole movie. <laughs> so yeah, that was I what mean, that was one of my criticisms. I'm thinking this is the guy who kind of set up. And I realized, obviously, with, you know, the movie in the middle being done by somebody else and changing the course of certain things, you would still think, well, I had intentions for this character. And how can I still do something with them? And ultimately, they do nothing, except he presumably ends up with lando's daughter or granddaughter or whatever the hell she is uh probably not related to that well that's it but that's kind of the the assumption i mean or maybe it's just what we're led to believe but i i thought okay there's nothing for finn to do in this movie and again i don't envy anybody because of the death of carrie fisher i mean the arc as it was it, it seemed obvious and you'd even explain it to me after force awakens was force awakens was gonna be han's story last jedi was gonna be luke's story I mean, aside from the three main characters, of course, and then what would have been the original episode nine had Carrie Fisher not passed away suddenly yes. would have been Leia's movie, would have been Leia's story. Without so a question. The fact that they kind of had to retcon and figure out how they were going to end this in a way that even if they had the framework of an idea based around Leia, how they could do it, that was just a race. So I do not. Yeah, you, you, they can only do so much with it. It was insurmountable for anybody who was going to tackle that. Totally. And yeah. Cause now I you got to start from scratch. Going into before the cast announcement for nine came out in summer is actually the day I was moving. The, the cast announcement for an episode nine came out. I was like, Oh, holy shit. They're going to work Carrie Fisher in somehow. Cause I thought for those eight months post last Jedi, it's like, well, 
they're going to have to explain in the crawl that sometime has passed, she's passed away, or there were rumors of like Meryl Streep might take over the role or just something, or like they could digitally, I, because the idea of a digital replacement didn't even make sense. It's like, there's no way they could even do that because she's got to be essential to the role. But the fact that they had this footage that JJ shot extra and I'm sure left on the cutting room floor of Last Jedi, it was. They made the best of a bad situation. Anybody, that's one thing that if anybody who's even had the harshest criticism about that movie has said, the Carrie Fisher thing was handled as best as they could. Some people loved it. Some people hate it. Um, over time for me, it's gotten like, it, it's obvious what scenes are. Spli- obviously, it's stuff that's spliced in. But, yeah, it's kind of shoehorned in because, well, yeah. we need to do something with this because we have a scene with her saying this. Yeah. Or, or but, her talking to Ray about such and such. I mean, her, her lines are kind of the dialogue she has is kind of generic and probably because of specifically what they need to, you know, because they need to work her into this movie somehow. Yeah. Because they need to conclude the Awakens and Last Jedi. Yeah. So they, they need to conclude the Leia story around it. But I, I'm actually kind of curious because because obviously we're so entrenched in films. But what is a little kid who doesn't know that think like my niece is. My niece is five years old. She just got into it and she loves Star Wars. Guess who got it? Guess who got her into Star Wars? I'll give you, you know, two guesses, but, <laughs> uh, she loves the character of Ray. She loves it. So I'm curious of when she sees Rise of Skywalker, maybe in a few years when she's eight or nine, like I'm sure she'll, she'll see it before then. But like, if I sit her down and say, so I don't know if you know this or not, but the woman who played Leia actually passed away years before the movie was even made. I wonder how that would register to someone so young to not, or someone just not entrenched in the idea. I mean, people who knew Carrie Fisher knew she passed away, but like a of younger course. generation to be like, Oh wow, that woman died. Well, and that's I, never, it. I, I would love to get their perspective and see whether or not they noticed. Like, I didn't think that was even the case. Right. Just, just, just like with us, with the original three movies, because we weren't in that generation, we weren't part of, generation x who saw this movie in the theater when they were 12 or 5 or however old they were who saw the first movie and it blew their minds and now you know they were the and ones now they claim ownership that you know everything's done wrong <laughs> no but also the, you and know they'll the, have the, your youtube channel with their action figures to tell you <laughs> yeah the same guys who complained about the female ghostbusters but bought up all the fucking ecto cooler but yeah. um anyway so they're the ones though who have have this kind of um ownership of it and and who had the basis of seeing the arc of these of the original three movies and that's when they can say oh i don't like the ewoks or kind of they have their complaints but for us when we saw it we had a different perspective because we didn't have the anticipation and the hype and everything surrounding it so in the same way your niece is going to have the experience of seeing the movies just as movies without all of the external noise influencing what she might think whether it's hype about the movies or disdain for the movies or whatever it is. Yeah. I would love that perspective. And it's a generational thing. Cause now it is. the generation who grew up with the prequels, they have a voice and they're like, these were my star Wars movies. So the 20 totally. year olds in 1999, who are like Jar Jar is the worst thing to happen. George Lucas, which this is, uh, this disgusts me to even say like George Lucas raped my childhood. I couldn't be yeah. more disgusted to hear that shit. I hated that, that complaint against the man who, gave us such imagination. You can have your complaints and criticisms about maybe some of his choices, but he didn't rape your childhood. So fuck off. To no, he people. didn't. I hate that. And I always hate those South Park jokes too. Like when they talked about that or, or the, the fourth Indiana Jones movie, you know, Crystal yes. Skull. I just thought, well, stop being fucking babies. All right. They are movies. You may love the original movies, but just because you don't like this particular movie 
shouldn't sully the others for you. That's just being, I don't know, I, I hate that crybaby bullshit, which I feel like is, unfortunately, sorry, symptomatic of that generation that feels entitled to, well, this is mine, and yeah. I define what it is, and I want I to be I saw Star I Wars wah, in 1977, wah, wah. and now I saw this, and yeah, I and got that's all the not Star Wars. But the thing is, Star Wars is something that, it's and lives on. And yes, now there are kids who saw episode one when they were five and then saw the prequel trilogy and they love the prequel trilogy and they like Jar Jar and <laughs> all that other and, stuff. They like pod uh, racing even now because they have the nostalgia and the Clone for Wars it. cartoon. The Clone Wars cartoon started in 2008 and it just ended now in 2020. The generation there's kids who are eight years old who are 20 now like that was my childhood. And now the story is complete. And I couldn't be happier. That's my Star Wars. Totally. It's so different for so other in, people. So in 20 years, people will have, there'll be a, a different perspective on this new trilogy and how it was. Look, for me, despite the weakness that I think Rise of Skywalker is as far as being a weak film and a kind of a disappointing ending to a trilogy that could have been great, not entirely their fault. Again, if you know, unfortunately, if Carrie Fisher had prematurely passed away, mm -hmm. it would have been a very, very different movie. I don't think anyone's going to dispute that. Yeah, but absolutely. honestly, this latest trilogy is my favorite Star Wars trilogy. Sorry, fanboys. It I just is. That. It's the most that got me excited. They, yes, they are the only three I've seen in theaters. And Rise of Skywalker was the first time I saw you. That was something I was really looking forward to, even more so than just the conclusion of this nine-film arc. But it was the first Star Wars movie I saw with you the first time you saw it. So I got to see you cry and get upset. And that moment where I literally thought you were going to dissolve into a puddle of tears in, in your seat in the theater when... You hear that? Hey, kid, from Han. I and said I just, out loud in the theater, "Oh, holy fucking!" Shit. I know. I yeah. I heard, and I looked over at you, and just, to, I mean, you weren't crying. The tears were just flowing freely, like a faucet. Like that you weren't bawling, but still, oh my I've god! I tried to rein it back a lot in this episode because there's stuff I've talked about—the Yoda <laughs> stuff, the Leia stuff—that if I talk about this scene, you're watering it down. It, pardon the pun. It, yes, it wrecks me from the whole point of when Leia dies to that is just. It's like there's great moments in this movie, and I'll I'll give my take on the whole thing. I think going forward, you need a plan. I don't think that some some of the internet pundits that I listened to were like this trilogy is a disaster and this and that. First and foremost, those people couldn't make the movie any better because because they <laughs> exactly videos. exactly. But my point is this: maybe it was the wrong approach, and I mean maybe it was Kathleen Kennedy's. This is another person who gets vitriol on the internet who's one of the greatest producers of all time, some of the best the movies that you all claim to love that shaped your childhood, she's had her hand in that. So she didn't ruin anything for you. But my point with that is maybe it was the wrong approach of you'll do seven, you'll do eight, you'll do nine, and we'll figure it out from there. I think going forward, it's like we're going to have this trilogy. But I also think one thing that's partially to blame for maybe the trilogy not working, and I could be wrong on this, but one thing that I left Rise of Skywalker le less of a fan of was J.J. Abrams. And it's not – I don't think he's a bad director. I've genuinely enjoyed all the movies he's made, even though some are better than others. Force Awakens being my absolute favorite. I love his Star Trek film. I love Mission Impossible 3. Time hasn't been great to Star Trek in the darkness. But um, <laughs> I think him as a creative force, he's not – as creative as you think, because he came in on Force Awakens, he set the table, and that's the thing. JJ will come in, he will fix your franchise, it'll be fun, it will please crowds, it will sell tickets, you will love it, and he'll walk away afterwards. And then when you ask him to come back, he's like, uh, uh, I don't know. Like, I don't know if he really legitimately planned things out. Like he said, oh, the plan was to bring Palpatine back all along. Uh, I don't think so. No. I, I don't think so either. No one and can imagine Palpatine 
First of all, having sex. Second of all, if he could clone himself, why would he still be ugly well, and old? Well, that's even more muddled, and that's something in the novelization of The Rise of Skywalker that I don't even want to get into. Well, no, the way... I, that's the thing, but it shouldn't. you shouldn't have to do this extra research outside the movie. And you look, as somebody who doesn't yeah. read books, I don't read you know the Marvel comics either, so I wasn't burned by Iron Man 3 when people are pissed off that, like, that's not really the Mandarin. Another great fuck movie. you. Nobody knows. Movie. Yeah, exactly. Nobody knows the Mandarin. Nobody buys Iron Man comic books. Shut the fuck up. Everybody <laughs> wants to go see a, a Robert Downey Jr. wisecrack and... You know, blow some stuff up in this suit. Okay. Yeah. Nobody's reading the comics. Stop acting so holier than thou about that's not really this. Which again, that's another thing about that first generation of Star Wars fans who did grow up with the first three movies. Now they love the prequel trilogy and think this new trilogy sucks. And they're saying, you know, we, what we really need is George Lucas's original vision for these last three movies because oh, I don't, I don't accept the story. Exactly. I don't accept the story that comes from the mouse house. Okay. But you were the assholes who made it. I watched the fucking documentary in 2012, the people versus George Lucas about these whiny crybaby "Quote unquote fans, you know, self-identified yeah. fans. I saw that man talking about how much they hated films. it. Right? I mean, they they fucking hated these movies, and they want to get so mad at him. But now he's mm-hmm. he's untouchable, and his true vision is what these three movies should have been. When all they did was hate on him from 1999 to 2005 with the prequel trilogy. So it's bullshit. Oh yeah, and beyond this this documentary came out in until like he sold that damn property. People were still bitching about the prequels of course but now they want to revere him and act like he's the only one who can say where the story's gonna go not jj abrams and ryan johnson and certainly not bob Iger. you know yeah. so yeah fuck those people like it's, so and at the same that. time it's not just yours it's not your movies these are mainstream movies star wars is mainstream as fuck this is not 1988 and- where you're a nerd and you're an outsider because you like star wars and you want to talk about you know han and luke and yoda and all this other stuff yeah it, it's not now it's as mainstream as it gets and Star I Wars love is it. And I love people's property. different opinions. Like, like you said, the sequel trilogy is my favorite. I love that because you can back your reasons up. I love that. My point is this: you don't have to love every one of these movies. You can have your criticisms, and we could talk about it. But you can't be an asshole. That's what I don't like. I just can't. There's a difference between I didn't like episodes nine because of this. Then other than episode nine ruins everything. There's a difference in the way that that comes across. And I don't like when people are assholes. If you said I rise of Skywalker didn't do anything for me because I didn't like how this happened. Didn't like how Palpatine came back, blah, blah, blah. Okay. Here's my point. Cool. Let's shake. Let's have a beer and let's talk about it. Exactly. I just, I can respect my sister who is not a big star Wars fan. Coincidentally growing up in a house with me, she's always liked it and appreciated it because of me. Her favorites attack of the clones. I'm not going to say to her, you're stupid. You're an idiot. (laughs) I'm going to be like, really? You love attack of the clones. Tell me why. That's interesting. My favorite's empire. She'd be like, eh, empire is boring. Why do you like it? And that's the way it should be. That's well, that's what film. Not everybody has to agree that empire is the best movie. Not everybody has to agree that Phantom Menace is the worst movie. You could say the freaking clone wars cartoon movie is the best movie. Give me your reasons. Just my point is it could be as diverse as possible with how many people just don't be an asshole is well, my point. I, I dude, I'm with you, but unfortunately we're at a point and it's not just star Wars. We're at a point in humanity where it's you're with me or you're against me. If you don't agree yes. with me, I don't want to know you. I don't want to talk to you. Nothing. And look, I don't want to. I didn't want to chill. You get yeah. paid by Disney. Oh, fuck I that. I wish I got I paid that. by fucking Disney. <laughs> <laughs> I hated that. It's just like I'll, it, I'll stay Herbie to Love Bugs, the greatest goddamn movie of all time. Cut me a check, Bob Iger, please, <laughs> please. I'll sit through both Frozen movies and just be delighted. And I exactly, oh, please, and no one will know my check. true opinion because I'm on the payroll. No, that's I, yeah. I, I hate that even that mentality. But unfortunately, uh, that's where we are. 
where it's you're yeah. a shill or you're being paid off or something like that because you have this opinion. And look, I didn't even want this discussion as much as I'm not reticent to do an episode about Star Wars, but because I knew you and I could discuss it and you're a huge fan, I'm a casual fan. And I feel like people fall into those. Ca- I mean, unless you're not interested, in which case you wouldn't be listening to, you know, an hour of the show as it is if we're just discussing Star Wars, which is why I said at the top, just don't even bother if you're not interested in Star Wars. Yeah. That's fine. Next week, maybe we'll talk about something you are interested in. But. I don't I also don't want to talk about Chris like as much as I'm asking what you don't like and things I don't like I just don't want this to be a here's my laundry list of criticisms about why I didn't like Rise of Skywalker I didn't I mean frankly I bought it when it came out I actually bought a a super sweet the the Target exclusive uh, 4k edition I think I think it's the third 4k I, I disc I own just because that's the set that was available and I don't actually own a 4K player or even 4K TV, but that that's going to change this summer, at least the TV part. But anyway. Yeah. Breaking case of emergency. That's why I got it too. It's like someday that 4K is going to be used. It, it might be. It <laughs> might be. So, uh, I mean, I, I have that and Cliffhanger. And I don't know which one I'm going to watch first because I like Cliffhanger better than the rest of Skywalker. But anyway, I, <laughs> hot take. How dare you, person who grew up in the 90s like in Stallone? How dare you like something more than... (laughs) Like that better than my franchise. (laughs) Exactly. But see, and you and I aren't being that way about it. But um, no, I did want to watch the... Well, during the quarantine, we said we were going to watch the Star Wars movies in order, beginning to end. Uh, no, again, not, without Rogue One and without Solo. Like, we were just going to watch the Skywalker Saga, those nine movies. And we haven't, and I even thought, well, you know what, maybe I should watch Rise of Skywalker again before Jack and I have this do this episode. And I didn't, and I wasn't really looking forward to it. And yeah, I, I own it, I bought it, and I haven't watched the movie or watched the special features, which I'm still very interested in special features. I love making of docs and, you know, all that other stuff that come out on this, yeah, like this, where it's like yet, 90 either. minutes. Right, and I am curious about that, but I just wasn't, I wasn't ready to sit and watch the movie again just because I thought, ah, this isn't going to be that much fun. But I don't want to sit here and talk about all the reasons why it was disappointing, all the reasons yeah. it's not a good movie. It's, it just didn't, it didn't pan out for me. I still went. I paid my money, yeah. and I went and saw the movie, and I'm fine with it. And again, under the circumstances, they, they probably made the best movie they could given the timing you know there was they were up against the clock and as much as they had a release date in advance yeah and uh you know they were also came out before all this stuff happened too well that's it too it would have been even even worse if it comes out after all this because then people would have had to wait i mean like you and i were saying about uh end game and infinity work you imagine if this happened in 2018 or 2019 and people had to wait i mean especially with the cliffhanger the if you will, Empire Strikes Back ending of Infinity War, where yeah. you're, you're left hanging and saying, uh-oh, the hero's lost, now what? Yeah. But I don't know. I, I'm up for discussion. Film is subjective. It is something where everybody can have a different opinion about it, and that is okay. And I'm I'm down for the discussion. I know you and I agree on certain things, and you're way more into it than I am. And yeah. like I've said before, I'm much oh, more I, into I like the Marvel the movie, movies, but... and I don't like all them either. But yeah. I'm much more into that than I am something like Star Wars, where... I'm down for the the story. I'm going to go see the movies in the theater for the most part. And I'm really interested in where everything's going to go. And uh, you're, you feel that way about Star Wars. And you're, you're looking forward yeah. to season two of The Mandalorian and all this other stuff. Anything. That you like. I love any kind of new Star Wars content that I can get. I tried books. I tried comics. They don't translate for me. I need I need the visual aspect. Star Wars to me is more visual than it is literal. Sure. In literature aspect. And even in comics, like it just doesn't translate. I try to when I would sit with a comic and try to absorb it like. Think like it's a movie. Think like the scene, but it, it, I'm just not a comic book person. But I'm excited for any future Star Wars that comes down the line. I'll always be optimistic. If one doesn't work, it's on to the next one. And that's the way I think. Exactly. That's what it should be. I'm so, into it. I'm into it the same way you just are. Just 
Oh, totally. And just to circle back real quick, just um, my thoughts on Rise of Skywalker. Look, I love the movie. It's not perfect. There's some things in it that I don't really like, and it just goes back to what I said before about Force Awakens. My biggest problem with The Rise of Skywalker is the lack of explanation. I can watch all nine Star Wars movies and be like, okay, it makes Pal- it makes sense Palpatine comes back. I, when I was watching Revenge of the Sith the week before the movie came out, I was like, okay, this makes sense. This guy is the mastermind behind it all. But you got to put some explanation into it, other than just the same line he says in Revenge of the Sith. I'm a little confused on at the end where the Sith fleet comes from, because I understand they're under the ice, but there's all these soldiers. And obviously with Star Wars movies comes new Star Wars toys to sell. So the big selling toy before Rise of Skywalker was the Sith Trooper, which is that red stormtrooper ah. that they were marketing. And I'm kind of like, oh, Sith Trooper. Cool. What does that mean? And then you get to that scene where they go and they blow up the planet that Zori Bliss is on and Babu Frick just to make uh, make a statement after everything happens with Leia and Kylo and everything else. And you see this bridge and there's a female officer and a male officer and the rest are all in like red stormtrooper guards or red Imperial guard. I just would like an explanation. Were they clones? Like I don't need every single detail, but I also don't feel like I need to get the Sith trooper novel that precedes the movie. Like just give some explanation. Like that's my biggest problem with the JJ Abrams thing is like, just give an explanation. His style with episode seven and nine was the fun space adventure. If you watch seven, eight, and nine together, seven and nine look very similar aesthetically, and eight looks a little different effects wise and everything else, and even uh, tint wise in the film. But you got to like explain things a little bit. You got to take some time and say, these, you know, Palpatine could have a big monologue speech of, I came back because as I was thrown down the shaft by Vader, I transported my body. Like it's, and the whole idea is like, well, you could read the novelization. I don't want to read the novelization. Just tell me right. in the movie. You shouldn't have to go just beyond the movie me. to get explanations for it. Well, just, and that's- I don't want to know or look at the visual dictionary. And that's not a complaint. Like I just want, well, I mean, there's just but a he's, complaint he, of, he's just big on the mystery. It. He's big on the mystery element. I mean, that was the whole thing with, with Lost. A, but his and thing is mystery with no movies. payoff. And that's right. always been a thing with him. And that's one thing walking out of this movie of, I'm a little tired of the mystery with no payoff. I don't want him to fix another franchise. Like, go do right, your just own give me stuff a straight up narrative stuff and go figure it out that way. That's one thing. Like, I'm not anticipating like going into Force Awakens. Like, JJ's the perfect director. And for Episode Nine, I was glad he came on to direct. But at the same time, I'm kind of like I don't want him to ever touch another franchise to fix again. And I just <laughs> wish he'd fig- no. I wish he'd figure his own shit out. Like, if you're gonna commit don't leave Easter eggs for the next person. Cause then you get to a point of where'd you get that lightsaber? Another story for another time. Hey JJ, where'd they get that lightsaber? Uh, I don't know. It's in episode nine. It's never explained or eight. It's a small detail. That's the one thing I feel like was missing to link these films. Now, a lot of people said with rise of Skywalker, it undid a lot of last Jedi for me. It, it didn't undo as much as it paid homage. The stuff with Ray and Kylo with their connection through the force I felt was continued perfectly from Last Jedi, which I loved, which was even amped up even further. You know, I think the big complaint was about Ray's lineage with Palpatine. And I think that was the biggest complaint going out of that movie. Now, I don't necessarily have a problem with it because it only just shows where Ray, her bloodline is. It doesn't change her as a character. She fights beyond that. And that's the theme of The Rise of Skywalker is family isn't necessarily blood. It can be found family. It could be who you are as a person. And your bloodline doesn't determine your destiny. And that's reflected both in Kylo Ren and Rey. Kylo Ren comes from light, chooses darkness. Rey comes from darkness, chooses light. 
So I don't have necessarily a problem with the whole Palpatine lineage. I can see where if JJ wasn't planning this from the beginning, he did link it up. And that's a lot of things with Rise of Skywalker. A lot of things got linked up on the back end. The whole Snoke thing wasn't planned out. I mean, people created this whole mystery of who's Snoke. And it just ended up, well, there was no plan for him. So we'll just make him a Palpatine puppet. Watching Last Jedi back recently, it's like, yeah, it kind of makes sense. He's kind of a shitty character. What do you want from him? Like, he's like, if you look at the marketing of the characters, like Kylo Ren's kind of a Sith like character, like Darth Vader, but he has his own, he's different from Vader. And Captain Phasma is the cool stormtrooper. And General Hux is just an imperial dude. And Snoke is just kind of looking like an emperor dude. And well, dare, dare I say, it's almost like Darth Maul, where as soon as you saw him advertised in episode one, they're like, he's the new baddie, and he's not. Yeah. Yeah. Who cares? Snoke's just, it's, he's not a great character. So it's just like, so what? If he, if they on the back end changed him to be a puppet of Palpatine or whatever he's supposed to be, who cares? It's not a big deal. Like at first, I kind of struggled with that, but I was like, Snoke sucks. Who cares? Just make him whatever. It doesn't <laughs> really matter. And with Ray's lineage, I think that there's more strength in that character. It doesn't change her who she is. It it highlights where she came from, and maybe that wasn't planned out. But maybe on the back end, they connected the dots, and to me, it works. If some people, it might not, but to me, it worked. And it's just like you know what? I I can buy that she's Palpatine's granddaughter because she's pure of heart, and her biggest fear is hurting the ones she loves, and that's reflected in that movie. So, and that, that's the thing I saw, I've, as of now, I've seen the movie four times. I saw it three times in the theater. And I think as time goes on, like you said, with the next generation and everything else, I think if people sit with it more, like how I, how you can sometimes do with movies, it might make more sense. For me, it makes sense. I have no problems with it. And it's not like, well, you know, I'm just trying to convince myself. No, it, for me as a fan who loves this and wants to bridge pieces together and think critically about this. It makes a lot of sense. And I love that she's a person who, yes, comes from a bad lineage, but chooses good and ultimately doesn't change who she is as a person. That's her choice because it's she's pure of heart. And it's not because, well, I guess I was bad, but now I'll be good. It's like, no, she she's never changed. So she conquers the biggest fear she has, which could be anything linked to evil. Well, again, time's going to tell with these movies because they're going to if they're going to evolve. The audience is going to evolve and grow. And we'll see how people feel about these last three movies over time. Yeah. And, and we'll see if there is an effect like there is where it becomes like the prequel trilogy has. Well, it's just Star Wars. That's it. And there won't be some idea of there's a difference or th- this yeah. was someone else's era or even who the filmmaker was. They may just look at it as this is Star Wars. That's what they, I look at George it. Lucas's involvement or whether he's not involved. Then th- they'll just look at it as, you know what? Whatever. Yeah. It, it's Star Wars. Okay. I watch it because of Star Wars and I like Star Wars. I mean, that's the hope, right? Yeah. And one last thought for me, like I didn't love Rogue One and Solo, but I could look at all five films that Disney's made and the Mandalorian as well. I don't see a difference in the way that maybe George, I mean, sure. Filmmaking wise, creativity wise. Sure. But to me, it all, like you said, it all feels like the same universe. It all feels like Star Wars. I don't have that disconnect of this is the Disney era. This is the prequel era. This is the, this. It's all one story for me. And I, I feel like even though like Solo Rogue One, I like the films. I don't love them. They're still made with the same amount of love that J.J. Abrams put into Force Awakens or Ryan Johnson put into Last Jedi or George Lucas put into his prequels. It's still all Star Wars to me. So I think it's all made with the same love, the same respect, despite what, you know, 
dick farts um movie reviews on the internet tells you <laughs> so that's the way i that's the way i believe it that's the way and you can't convince me otherwise and that's the thing if people want to debate this or talk to me about star wars i'm always open to talk about star wars so tweet at me at jackwagon85 if you're an asshole i'm blocking you or i'm muting you so that's it don't pick a fight let's talk star wars like civil adult human beings or if you're younger who cares? Let's just talk Star Wars like a normal human being should talk to another person. There's one great quote that I'll leave with that I heard from a big Star Wars fan and comedian that makes perfect sense that could sum up this whole era. His name is Steel Saunders. He has a podcast called Steel Wars. His quote is, love Star Wars like a child, dislike Star Wars like an adult. And I just think that's the best way you could sum things up wow. like that. That is perfect. You're absolutely yeah. right, Jack. Is that you smacking the desk because you're so passionate about this? Very Hearing this whacking sound. Yeah. Okay, good. Looking for some really good positive Star Wars podcasts that don't have an agenda, that aren't pandering to anything, that if that just love Star Wars, like let's say that I love Star Wars. I can recommend a few. Uh two off the top of my head, like I said before, Force Center, and I could recommend the Resistance Broadcast. There are people who just love Star Wars and love to talk about it. There's so many others I listen to here and there now around the years, but those are my two favorites that I could recommend if you're looking for some good, positive Star Wars talk that doesn't have an agenda that you can agree or disagree with certain things. Give those people a listen because they're just some of my favorite Star Wars podcasts to listen to. And if, actually, if you're interested in going further down the rabbit hole with Jack, specifically Jack, because he's in every single one, uh, talking Star Wars with other friends of ours, even though I'm not included in them. If you go to the onlypodcast.com, home of the only podcast that matters, where Jack and I started, if you go to the shows tab and click film commentary, there are film commentaries for the prequel trilogy and the original trilogy. So episodes one through six. I've toyed around with the idea of us doing film commentary, which obviously we can't do right now unless we did it remotely, but that's not nearly the same experience as we would want. No. So maybe down the line, we will do some uh, Star Wars commentary for this latest trilogy because we're still fans and everybody's into it. Yeah. And I'd be down for participating in them this time. We did scrap actually a, a Return of the Jedi, um, uh, sorry, Empire Strikes Back commentary that I did with you guys just because I didn't have that much to say. And I think it was you and I and Andrew, but you pretty much did all the talking. And I just thought, mm, I don't know. The only thing I remember yeah. is I, while recording that, it was my first time trying kombucha. So I think the only thing I had to talk about was how I didn't like kombucha. <laughs> I well, think we just scrapped that, it. Yeah. yeah, it wasn't very good. So it's one of the few things that we recorded and then just scrapped because yeah. we said that wasn't very good. So if you want to rewatch those original movies with some audio commentary, cool. Actually, you can... uh because the movie's playing in the background, I don't know that there's any bleed through. There might be a little bit. But uh, if you have like a sound bar, then just play it on your phone, connect your, your phone to the Bluetooth on your sound bar, and then pull up the movies on whatever it is, whether it's a disc, whether it's on Disney Plus or whatever. So if you want a little way you can play our commentary while watching the movies, hey, there's an idea. Play it through your phone while the movie's showing on your TV. You can also follow Jack on Instagram at JacksonFigure1985, and you can follow me on Twitter at ChrisAbalo and on Instagram at Chris Sells Out, and you can follow the show at Cape Pod on both Twitter and Instagram. And of course, we'll be back next Monday with some more bullshit because we have uh, a lot more to talk about. But uh, there you go, folks. There's Star Wars in a uh, not hopefully not too long nutshell, not too large yeah. nutshell. <laughs> so until next time, for Jack DeFranco, this is Chris Abalo, and this was yet another experiment. May the force be with you.
Matanque.